Hi, this is David Strimmey, driver of the Atrius Holmes number 64 car for Rusty Wallace. And you're listening to Real Racing USA with Bill Green, Jack Smith, and Rick Angies. Let's get to our guests. Leroy and Connie Davidson are in the studio with us. Yay. You know, uh, hey. that's been uh, a year, I guess, since anybody's heard from. It's been about a year, I guess, since anybody's heard from Leroy. That's not true. Well. I used to see him down at the restaurant. And that's When's like the last time you've been on the radio show? Uh, a year ago. Mike Carroll. About a year ago. He's, he needs yeah, a microphone. A yeah, yeah, there. Ago. Yeah. It's about a year ago. You're up probably. at Snook River Grill. Actually, it's been more than a year because I haven't been on since we sold the racetrack. So yeah, okay. December 22nd, I believe, yeah. is when we sold that. Yeah. I think November was when we were up there. Yeah. So what's been happening? I started the hot dog stand business, and they threw me out of there. I missed that. You had I the tried best hot dog fries or six different fries things, and, and I just, like the racetrack, I just failed. So now I'm building homes. Build it. <laughs> Talk about yeah, that's what that's what we do, and uh, that's almost failing these days too. Yeah. <laughs> you know the housing market. You know the housing market's actually, I think, going to turn around because the houses are so cheap and the mortgage rates are so low. Uh, people are going to start buying and going to start remodeling, and uh, so for for us, they'll be remodeling bathrooms and kitchens. For Carol, they'll be putting roofs on, and for you, uh, you still doing garage doors and any. Well, fit? it's not garage doors. We built detached garages. Yeah. Okay. But uh, the only thing I don't do on the garage is put the door on, actually. Right. I hire somebody else to do that. But Now, we've just been sitting back watching. I went to uh, Clewiston a few times. We helped score up there on a couple of races. Uh, done a little bit of advisory work at a couple of places, sometimes just on the phone. And kind of miss that part of it is I sit back and watch and see what's going on from the outside in, and I see a lot of stuff that they're doing nowadays that they – should turn around and go the other way. <laughs> well, you know, now you're on the other side. Now you're on the side that, you know, you're not the, the track owner or the promoter anymore, so now uh, you get to see how goofy these owners are. Well, yeah, you're absolutely <laughs> right. It's like, uh, you know, they'd say that, you know, like everybody that owns a racetrack is a son of a bitch because they say, you know what that son of a bitch done this week? <laughs> well, now they're saying it to other people. Am I allowed to say them words? Yeah, on say whatever you want. It's internet radio. That was one of the nicer things that they say. Yeah. <laughs> You're internet fine. radio, you can say whatever you want. You're but, fine. But looking, at, it's, uh, looking back on it is that's what they're saying about other people. I'm sitting back thinking, you know, some of that is true from the outside looking in. But when you're in there and you do the stuff that people says, if he would just do this, I guarantee him, he would have a packed house. He would sell food. He would do all this. Most of that stuff we tried and it didn't work. But my biggest thing right now is when I opened up the racetrack in 1990, everybody was getting $8 to get in the grandstands, and I started at $10. So everybody said that was the stupidest thing to do because we'll never get it, but we packed the place. I charged 15 to get in the pits. Everybody else was getting 12 and we packed the pits. We'd get 200 cars. My point is, is at the time, the economy and the racing was a completely different than what it is now. Mm-hmm. Now I hear some racetracks, or a racetrack in particular, is going to $30 to get in the pits. We already don't have no people 
at most of the racetracks anyway. And what are we doing? What's racetrack promoters, managers, or whatever, what are they doing? They're going to close the doors on more racetracks. I would do completely the opposite I did back in 1990. I would drop, you know, these guys are going to have to grow some balls. Uh, if they're not going to, they need to get their general managers to get in there and step up because there isn't nobody going to the racetrack anyway. And if they're charging, in some cases, $20, $25 to get in for a late model or a sprint car race and they're not getting anybody and they're paying out a thirty, twenty, thirty thousand dollars $30,000 purse and losing money, why not go the other way? Not Why not go what I would do if I had any speedway? I would drop the uh, pit gate down to 15, let the driver in for free. Everything people's told me over the year to do that I wouldn't do, mm. now I would do it. No, not I, because I'm not there. It's because the way the economy is. I would I would put $8 on the front gate mm-hmm. because what makes a difference if, if you get rid of all the late models and the sprint cars and the traveling series is that took all the cars anyway – and you took them away, and you ended up paying Road Warriors. So you paid Road Warriors 700 to win, 1000 to win, whatever. You pick out your own thing. In six months, you're going to have 20 or 30 or 40 of them cars. Same thing with some of the other classes. Pick three classes, pay a total purse of two or 3000 instead of fifteen to 20000 let the people in cheap and pack the place and sell some food. Your purse is so small, you're going to make more money. Because you're not spending thirty thousand a week out, so go ahead, Cece. I'm sorry. Well, I just a couple of points. One, um, it was been it's been my understanding from recent discussions we've had about insurance for drivers that some tracks are going to up the the pit costs um, to cover the insurance for the drivers that the increased insurance that um, was going to be mandated. And um, what I found interesting online in um, on the forums, Jack, the survey of uh, ticket prices and what people uh, thought it should be, they should be, it seemed like the majority of people felt $12 was a fair price for a ticket to go see racing. How much, how on much, how much of the ticket in the pits goes to the insurance company? Tell everybody. You are a track owner. You pay I it. don't know how much of the insurance of the pits goes into paying it, but I know that the insurance is less than $1,000 a week for a regular racing. If you have open wheel modified, it's roughly 200 more. When I first opened, it was $600. It's up to 1000 I would say if they increase the insurance at all, and I'm guessing, but I know some insurance company, and since I've been getting some phone calls the last few weeks, I intend to call to find out because I would say at the most the insurance went up 150 to $200. So and if it was, was $1,500 <laughs> a race... For your insurance, then, which I guarantee it's not. So if you got fifteen hundred people, that's just a dollar a dollar right. head. Yeah, would cover the insurance. So, um, you know, that's that, that makes a lot of sense. Something that I wanted to say that goes along with what you were saying that that I've been trying to push recently is I think back. Um, I'm a racer from those days, from the '90s. I ran uh, Burt's Florida Pro Series stuff, and I started at Sunshine Speedway. And I watched a track that that was had more fans and more racers than anybody, and they ran late models every week. They ran thirty lap late model race, paid seven hundred to win for I don't know how long, and they had a lineup of twenty cars every week at least that were there racing, including Jimmy Cope and Dave Pletcher and those guys. Um, 
ran heat races sometimes. They qualified sometimes. Me as a fan, okay, when I sit and I go watch races, I love to watch heat races. Because heat races, what they do for a low-budget guy like myself is those those high-budget guys, they can crash in them heat races. And then it might even our cars up a little bit for the race. You know, it makes sense. Um, but what also makes sense is that you ran local races. You ran 30-lap races. And you let Burt come in with his show and run the super late model deal. Because I did it at your track several times. Um, I I don't know why the track mentality today is, in a, well, because they're selfish in some reason. They think they can do it all. But why these promoters say, I'm going to have my own 100-lap races. Why do they put that burden on themselves? I haven't figured it out yet. And there's traveling series out there that will come down here to Charlotte County. Um, there's things that could be worked out for that. And then when they had a show, it would be a huge show, and all the drivers would be there. Well, I think one thing that's hurt it is it used to be like when Don Rohn had the USA and Bert had the, the uh, Florida Pro and we had the TBRA. Uh, then we're traveling series. And when, people, when they came, no matter which one it came, it was a big deal. And then they started having many stocks challenges. They had road, well, they didn't have road warriors yet, but they tried that. They tried street stocks, open well modifieds, uh, dwarf cars. They tried everything in the world. So now there's traveling series, which took away from the local shows. And I'd like to get back into the meetings we used to have at Brandon, where we're trying to save the racetracks instead of letting them all close down and stop doing some of this stuff. Some of the series is that comes around should not be there because that's the local racers at different racetracks waiting to travel. If they want to travel, let them get in a late model or a sprint car. Make them go to their local tracks and run there and cut the amount of classes down from 9 and 10 to 2 or 3 and have 30, 40 cars in a class. The only way you're going to do that is to pay a higher purse, and it's going to take you six months or so. We were we started to do it at my end of my days to where we got the classes down. We started guaranteeing double purses if the car count was 20 or more, and we did pay some of them. But, you know, it, it takes a long time to do that. You can't just do it six months and then quit. So getting back to what you need to do, you need to go back to the grassroots and just have a couple classes, pay good purses, let people in cheap. Let the, let the drivers in for free. I would have never done that. I would have never said this. I would have said it two or three years ago when I still had the track, and I was going that direction. But these people are still trying to do the same thing. They're trying to start a street stock. Gary's doing a real good job with that street stock challenge. But how long is that going to last, and how many cars did that take from each track that used to have a good car count in street stocks or sportsmen's? And so you look at all this, and you sit down, and you get the track owners together. Jack's been to some of our meetings at Brandon, and you get in there, and you talk about how to run your concessions, how to run your back gate, how to run your tech, how to run this. And then the people start putting their input in, and people start changing. The Ten classes of cars always been too many. Nowhere else in the United States do you see this happen but Florida. You go to the promoter's workshop in Daytona, they'll tell you. They laugh at Florida. Look at racing now. How many dirt tracks are there in Florida now in the last year and a half compared to asphalt? And that's what I built. I built Charlotte County Speedway as a dirt track. And now that's what's happening right now 20 years later. They're going to dirt and the asphalt's going away because Mm -hmm. the action on the dirt tracks around the country is doing fairly well compared to asphalt. 
Why? Because they have less classes. They pay their classes more money. It's cheaper to get on the grandstands. Even at East Bay, I believe it's cheaper than... I, I did a survey of all the racetracks. Not all. I missed a few, but most of the racetracks. This just recently. In North Carolina, uh, Southern Virginia, Kentucky, Tennessee, Florida, Alabama, and Georgia. All of them. All the tracks of what their front gate prices were. And for the most part, in the Carolinas, Georgia, and so on, most of the tracks, there's some exceptions, most of them were in the $12, 10, $10 or $12 yeah. range. Nobody outside of Florida that I found was charging twenty dollars, you know, and and there was few charging fifteen, and there was a lot more charging ten than there was, you know what I mean? Right. There was even some charging eight, and uh, well, some some tracks owners have bigger nuts to crack than other ones, you know. So some of them have agendas, obviously, for the amount of fans that they. Well, get. Is, is how much you charge is you know this is just something I, I for me I just can't understand this this thinking. I mean, Lee, are you tuned in on this? But You've owned businesses besides a racetrack. And what doesn't compute to me is if you, you don't set prices of your products or services based up on based on how much money you need to make, you have to base your prices on what people are going to be able to buy and you can deliver at an effective price. And that's like it, trying if to sell a house that yeah, you want to sell yeah, for like right five hundred thousand, but it's worth two. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> right now, if you use that same logic that some of the track owners use, and I don't know, maybe there's something missing here, but by that logic, the home builders in in Northport and Port Charlotte right now would be raising their prices, not lowering them as they are. Well, I, what what do you what, say, Leroy? Well, they are the prices are starting to come up, and the people's going to miss the boat on these lower houses. Yeah, but the inventory homes are mostly going around here, and everybody's in the last year has built one hundred and fifty thousand dollars and less homes. Right. Them aren't selling all of a sudden; they're sitting around three fifty to two fifty to three hundred dollars and up is selling now. My house that I built, my model home, is actually four forty eight is what it is, but I can sell it on your lot for. The the thing is, is I've done basically what you're talking about. I'll build that house on your lot for two eighty nine, right? Because you can buy lots at different prices. I happen to pay more for that lot because it's a model home lot yeah. in the area. But anyway, uh, what you got to what I'm I'm really upset about is when they're raising these prices up and they're talking about the insurance, which is a bunch of crap too, and the tire money. It, take the money out of the tire money. If you're not going to pay a points fund, take some of this money and give it back to the drivers in other ways. Um, I've got a lot to say about it, and it'll take a long time to get it out, but I've sat back and watched this, and unless somebody does something to make racing different, not only in Florida but around the country, that racing is going to be gone. Well, I tell you, there's only so many track owners here because there's only so many tracks, and knowing the personality of the particular track owners that are in Florida and the south part of Florida, ain't nothing's going to change from the way it's rolling right now. Now, if they smarten up, they start really thinking about it. Um, I think that you probably will see some change. I know you're going to see some change out of one of them because he told us that uh, that uh, uh, he may not have a points fund next year. You know, um, he paid out lots of money this year, and uh, he may not pay out any next year. So um, he may be smart to do that. I hope he listens after we talk to him. That you know, you know, we talked to to. Uh, um, Todd over there at uh, East Bay, and uh, he brought out some really good points. You know, I'd, I'd tell any of them guys to go to East Bay. 
go to East Bay and watch the race over there. Spend the whole day before everyone else does. Spend the whole day there. And all the way till everybody leaves, these track owners need to go to that track and see how that place runs. Because I think they'll understand what you're talking about, Leroy, that you don't need all these classes. And uh, all you just need is some good racing. And and if you only have a few classes, you're going to ultimately have good racing because more guys are going to buy cars. Um, what do you think about the crate motors uh, crate motors in, the, in the, the late models? I mean, especially for like a 30-lap show, you're going to run every week with late models or every two weeks. Well, I've kind of got away from it, but we started the crate models, the crate motors uh, right before Hurricane Charlie, actually. Mm-hmm. And then it got dropped, and it never got picked up in the proper way. Then the ASA cars come in. The, you know, they, it went way overboard from what it should have done. Mm-hmm. The crate motors also in the lower class cars, they got different kinds of crate motors. Right. And I think that that was a good deal at the time, but I think I think it went too far, and now I'm not... I haven't followed it very close last year, but it looks like it's turning around and not to be a good thing anymore. Well, actually, I think it's kind of done kind of a two circles because it went around and was a bad thing, and I think that um, it's definitely coming back around to be something that um, it can be kind of um, you know policed a little bit better than what they first thought. And But the good news is is that, I know at your particular track, the track that you used to have, it don't matter what motor you got in your car there in a late model. Because I got a late model, and I'm here to tell you, it don't matter. If your car's handling well, you can do great with a crate motor in it. Yeah, well, you know, we we started that. And we had, I'm not going to mention names, but everybody knows who they are. We had some local guys that never used to be able to finish well there. When they brought the crate, crate motors in and, and put them in their cars, the motor lasted several years. Two, actually, one, I think, is on his fourth or fifth year with the same motor mm-hmm. as they could afford to do it. And the whole thing was is to bring the local racers to where they can afford to start winning. Mm-hmm. Just as soon as we started doing that, some people got this bigger idea. They're going to bring ASA in. They're going to bring some big names in mm-hmm. and allow them to run with our local crate motors. Completely destroyed what we were trying to do. We're trying to make the local racing more affordable and uh, local heroes be the local heroes. Now, that would be cool if, if, you, if you ran your weekly show and you only let your crate late models come. And then when the ASA came in to run their traveling series show that your guys got to run in there, I think that's fine. Um, but in your weekly program... If you had ASA guys show up that were just, you know, nothing to do that weekend, they wanted to come, um, do you think there'd be a problem with those guys racing with your weekly show? Well, unfortunately, the limited late model series got out of hand a few years ago. Yeah, it is. It is out of hand. No more weekly shows for them, so. I had Don on the show, and I was aggravated with him that, you know, I got a lightning light body on my car, so I can't go run his stuff. They won't even make concession. But you know what? In one way, I say that it aggravates me. In another way, at least they stand up and say, hey, we got rules, and we're going to stand behind them. Um, the limiteds, it's gone crazy, okay? There's no difference between the two, I think, in, in most cases, um, other than uh, maybe a, a frame rail here or there, or maybe a shock or a spring. But even still, um, I think that the limiteds today should be either the crate 604 motor or the two-barrel motor 
of yesterday, let's say. Two-barrel motor like Randy Fox races in his car, okay? He still shows up with a two-barrel motor like it's supposed to be. Um, This progressive thing that they've allowed these guys to come in and make this money with this spec motor. I mean, the spec motor is great, but it, it totally just took everything, even in the Supers, you know? That thing should have a 390 on it. It shouldn't have a 750 like my flat-top steel-headed motor in my car. So I think that we probably could talk for a while on, you know, the aggravation of what you see from your side. And now, like I said, you're on even a different side. None of that has a damn thing to do with how many people are in the grandstands. No, but I I think this is... You're right, because they don't know the difference as, of the motor no, anchor no, no. in the car. But as, as, as I am in the pits, and I, I'm talking to my friends. Take are, the mufflers off. And talking to my friends who are drivers, I hear the same thing time and time again, where it is getting hard for them to afford to race weekend after weekend after weekend with the cost of paying, you know, to get everybody into the pits and bringing their vehicles in and entering in the race and, you know, and paying for for everything and then we got tires and fuel and and it's hard in in um some of them won't come and race every weekend because they only have so much money you know to stretch to pay for their racing hobby as well as what if they all got smart and all in the same week didn't show up what do you say about that leroy but you know but i think but i think that's what you're hitting a key point about reducing the cost for the drivers to come in and race, um, and so that way they, they, these these backbone classes can build, and then you have higher car counts, which the fans love, and then you get more butts in seats. Right. If would you rather what, pay twenty dollars to watch a late model race with a follow the leader and you know thirty cautions, or would you rather you know like say there's eighteen twenty two cars somewhere in that neighborhood, or would you rather have a race where you got uh, a full-filled, maybe say you got 30 or 40 road warriors and they got to run A mains and B mains to get into the A main. Mm-hmm. And there's close racing all the way through the race. They're not spread out. They're passing. Would you rather pay 10 or $15 to see that or 20 to see a late model race that they, they put on nowadays? Every once in a while you hit a good one. Mm-hmm. But would, what would you really rather do? Most people want to see racing even – if they're slower, like Jack said, take the mufflers off, make them a little louder, do something. Yeah. Uh, That's what the ASA is doing this year. It's yeah. one of their rule changes. ASA late model series, you're taking the mufflers off as a rule change because some of the, a, a few of the tracks ask for that because they said it makes the fan the fans think the cars are going faster. People want fans want high car counts and um, and they and, and I think they really love those backbone classes that are going to be there every weekend. They develop relationships with drivers and. In the, and that's what keeps them coming back because they want to see their how their favorite driver is going to do weekend after weekend after or weekend. Or their unfavorite driver. Right. Exactly. Let me tell you one of the stupidest things I could probably say, and it's probably the thing that would work, because if I was there, this is exactly what I'd do. What I would do is I'd tell, like, our, I started the four-cylinder class down here a few years ago. We called them the junkyard dogs. And, you know, after about six months, guess what happened? A guy came in with a... He had a closed trailer, and he had this great big fancy truck pull. I said, what in the hell are you doing that for? Well, I feel embarrassed coming in with this little open trailer. Yeah. So I got to thinking about it over another year, and I'm thinking, if all these guys start buying these trailers that's enclosed and spend this money, that class is going to go to hell, too. What I would do, if I was there right now, what I would do, it's just a small thing, but... I would tell anybody that race, I don't care if they're in the limited late models, 
I'd say if you pull in here with an open trailer, I will give you a $100 bonus tonight if you finish in the top three mm -hmm. or something. I would make, I would encourage people to get rid of these big trailers and get something that's more affordable. Because you know what? When they're driving down the road on I-75 and they see a trailer, there could be a lawnmower's in it. You don't know what's inside them trailers. Yeah. What I would do is I would want my racers to drive down the road so somebody sees a, a car. Kenny Bush with the midgets, he pulled in the gas station one day. He says, a guy came up and says, uh, hey, where are you going? He said, I'm going over here to the speedway across the interstate. He said, well, we didn't know there was a track there. We never seen no race cars around. Kenny says, you won't because I'm probably the only one that's got an open trailer. But see, them are traveling billboards. When you see exactly. when you see 100 exactly. race cars go down the, the road with an open trailer, your racetrack's going to do better. Mm -hmm. there, I mean, there's just things that I would do. I would, I would encourage and pay people to come there and be the underdog, be the guy with the open trailer, be the guy that don't have to spend all this big money. He's going to have more fun because he now he don't have a $20,000, $30,000 trailer he bought just to show. And it, it would change the whole outlook of racing by doing that. It's just one thing. It's just one thing. Okay. Jeff, well, he'd be coughing up a lot of money if he had his track back. <laughs> do we need to take a break now? Yeah, yeah we, what we're going to do is we're going to take a quick break, and we're going to come back, and, uh, and uh, we're going to ask Leroy some more questions about oh, it, yeah, uh, what he thinks he's going to do. Let, let me tell you that uh, we got Jeff, Jeff Choquette on the show tonight. we got David Brown. we got uh, Tim Bryant. Who's that guy? Leroy David. <laughs> we'll be right back, folks. We'll be back. Stuff up coming up through there, but uh, you know it's a lot of fun racing these guys. That's what it's all about. Trying to have a, a good time out here and you know race all the guys. This was a North race tomorrow night. We'll race with the South Boys, but uh, you know all in all, it was a, a lot of fun. We enjoyed it, and hopefully we can you know bring this thing and home in one more spot. Better tomorrow. A lot of drama on pit road right after qualifying. Any concerns as you came to the line for this race? No, no. We knew that uh, that this thing would be fine. You know, we've, we've run this motor before. It's the same car we've run all the time. We tried to bring our new one out, but couldn't get it done in time. So uh, i got to thank Richie Waters and all these guys that did an awesome job preparing this thing all day and uh, and being able to get this thing back in, in raceable conditions after we decided to make a motor change. So uh, we're happy with that, and uh, we'll, we'll, we learned some things there, definitely, and you know, it's my first time down here in a super late model, and so, uh, you know, Richie's as well, and we'll work on it tonight and try to come up with a, some ideas and brainstorm a little bit and make it better. Hi, I'm Wayne Jefferson, driver of the number one open wheel modified and number 94 super late model. And you are listening to Real Racing USA on Short Track America. Powermaster is your ASA series sponsor for the XS Power batteries. Powermaster is pleased to announce the introduction of the XS Power series of batteries, XX Power batteries for racing applications, and batteries for your car audio application. 12 volt batteries for street machines, street rods, off road vehicles, and even motorcycles. Excess power batteries means 30% more power and no battery spilling. PowerMaster also carries your starters and alternators. Visit us on the web at www.powermastermotorsports.com. Bud Light presents Real Men of Genius. Real Men of Genius. Today we salute you, Mr. Fantasy Football Manager Guy. Mr. Fantasy Football Manager Guy. 
every year you assemble your closest friends to prepare for another season in the knockdown, dragout world of make-believe football. Fourth and inches. You were born with the one skill every manager needs to play fantasy football. Absolutely no skill playing real football. Not so good at catching. Imaginary catches. Imaginary touchdowns. Next up, an imaginary score with an imaginary woman. Good imagination. So crack open a nice cold Bud Light, oh Swami of the sidelines. You may come in dead last, but you're always first with us. Mr. Fantasy Football Manager Guy. Bud Light Beer, Anheuser-Busch, St. Louis, Missouri. Port City Racing, it's about winning. From lug nuts to complete race cars and 12,000 parts in between. Whether you're new to racing or a seasoned veteran, you'll find what you need at Port City Racing. Since 1981, Port City Racing has been producing winners. Drag racing, circle track, and much more. You can now browse through our Port City Racing catalog on the web. View and shop online right from your race shop. PortCityRacing.com That's PortCityRacing.com Oh, uh, there we go. That's gonna you're fired. Inside Florida Racing. Let me turn those up too. Somebody, yeah, turn down the other. Turn them up a little bit more. Bring them up. Come on. Yeah, bring, bring that Give that volume up. Come on. Oh, coming up in the second hour of Inside Florida Waste Racing, we Wacy. have racing. We have the music. It's 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 warping my tongue. We have Jeff and John Choquette with us, plus uh, David Brown, and we'll be joined by uh, Tim Bryant and. Let's see what oh, we're gonna try to get. Squeeze what Dave Westerman in here, but right no, now, we ain't talking. Hey Dave, if you're listening, we, we changed our minds. We're not calling you. We can't. Okay, we don't have that we much time. Our mind. But uh, right now, we're talking to Leroy Davidson, the much beloved, and everybody's always mentioned. You know, bringing up your name, telling me how much they miss you. Oh, he's Leroy. turning red. You're talking about he's turning red. <laughs> Oh my God! Tell me the toothpick fell right out of his mouth. Yeah, that that was an amazing feat to have the toothpick come out. Well, after Leroy gains his composure, uh, we'll let him answer that. What, what yeah, happened? Nice of you to say all that, but you know, I want to know the truth. I am telling you the truth. All right, bottom line: what's the biggest things at racetracks that you see they need to do? I mean, you hit the money button, and we all agree to that. I think it's a lot of people agree with that, except for you know everybody's got their own way of doing it, and we understand that, but. Well, what else besides the prices and the show? Prices and the show. You got it. The popcorn, Leroy. The popcorn. Yeah. Well, you put you put hundred dollars in the popcorn. You advertise on the PA system. There's a hundred dollar bill on the popcorn, and we sold four and five hundred bags of popcorn a night by doing that. So, what else you want to talk about? you should have tried that in the hot dog stand. You should have put a sign up. There's a hundred dollars in one of these hot dogs I'm selling today. What happened? <laughs> yeah, that would have been a good idea. Yeah, well, I think that's a great idea about the uh, um, uh, hundred dollars in the popcorn. That would probably increase popcorn sales. Uh, and you always make your hot wings really, really hot, and you give them away. <laughs> right. Yeah. And then they buy beer because the most money you make is on beer, unfortunately. Okay. There's all kinds of ways that racetracks don't make money at things that are right in front of them, okay? I'll give you a couple. Now, there's all kinds of reasons you can say this can't be done, but those are just excuses that they, you just, there's a little work involved. Every racetrack, most racetracks have a uh, place where you buy uh, stuff. 
You buy hats and checkered flags for the kids and earplugs, and you buy all this stuff. We used to call it a souvenir shop. Yeah, yeah souvenir exactly. Shop. Right. Exactly. A souvenir shop, whatever. Every racetrack has this, right? Just about. I don't know. I mean, there's out of all the racetracks in this, in speedways, racetracks, stock car tracks in this entire country, I bet there's not 5% of them, if that, that have those stores operating any time other than race day and do not have their stuff online on their website in a, ca- a place where you can go actually online, order, and buy your stuff. That's an income generator. It makes money. You know, it's not going to make you rich, but it makes money. It helps add to the, to the bottom line. You know where they drop the ball with those shirts, Jack? I mean, is they're always selling NASCAR shirts and stuff. They're not selling shirts the, to the drivers that well, are driving at the racetrack. Well, that's an, one thing. Then the other thing is, now, some, some racetracks have different, different rules that they can't do this, but um, there's a lot of them that do. And you, you have a beer license, and you have a place where you sell beer. The only time, it's like having a bar and being only open one day. You have a liquor license, and you used to be selling beer as much. In, not in every case. There's always exceptions. I remember we talked about this one time, and you had, there's, you know, there are reasons in some areas where you can't or shouldn't do it or whatever. Yeah. But there's a lot of places that could be making a lot of extra revenue off of that resource if you use it in the right way. And you've got to come up with, you know, things. Like there's places around here that go, there's a place in St. Pete where all these fans are going to watch uh, videos from DeSoto Speedway. And they go there every week to this place in St. Pete, and they all bunches of people come there and watch the videos. Well, if the tr- I mean, some tracks are obviously out in the boonies, you can't do that. But tracks that are not way out in the boonies, where where inaccessible, why wouldn't you do that at your racetrack? I mean, there's a revenue stream that you can make money besides just at the race. Right? Well, I mean, four four comp liquor license is what you got to have if you're going to run some package. And most of these guys, if they want to sell liquor outside or beer outside of this race. They have to sell food as well because you have to oh, sell is that a certain right? amount is that of right? food. You have to sell food. I never knew that. Uh, I don't think so. That I don't think. I, the only well, thing we got, we don't. We have a the beer and wine license. We have a beer and wine. Well, what license. I'm saying is, is there are ways? There are other things going on. The parts department, the parts places. You know, the part you're right. selling your parts. And, right. You know. So, like, are you talking about, for an example, like on Friday night when the track is open for guys to come in and practice? Have some reasons to get have, us to come see have, you guys. Have fans. You know? Having it open to fans and come in and have the concession stands open and have them come down sure. for dinner and beer and watch the practice and maybe what maybe lower the either what have it open for free let's for play, fans to come in. Let's and let's and get let's play poker. If you food. ain't practicing, let's have poker night at the track. You know, I mean, yeah. what the hell? I mean, just these are promotions. You got to yeah, watch yeah. your step there with poker too. <laughs> you know, all these things sound like things that you do in a garage. <laughs> They're things that you do when you have a business and you want to make money. Well, let's talk about these things. Leroy, you had the track. You got to do it all yourself. I'm sure you used to sub some of that stuff out. Maybe you did or didn't. What's the way to do it? We didn't really sub a whole lot out. We tried it when I first opened up because we didn't have the concession buildings and the stuff, so we used people, vendors coming in. Uh, I don't see how any racetrack can survive that has their, say, for instance, I know East Bay does it, and they do survive, but... Uh, most tracks won't survive if they let their their concessions out and they get a percentage. Usually, you get four or five hundred dollars, and then you got all that expenses. But uh, you need that extra income. If you do four or five thousand dollars a week in the concessionary, and you do two thousand in the beer, but you're subbing it out, and you make five hundred, how can you survive? When when these guys that's running the racetracks now, they say they don't have no money and they're spending money. Uh, 
I've been there 20 years, and I never asked for any money. I never asked for donations. I took the money that we got from one race, and I built the figure eight. I put the back road in. Well, I built the whole racetrack that way. It don't make any difference. The whole thing came from the racers. Uh, Cope Anderson, back in the days, probably you, Rob, is I like to come to Charlotte County Speedway because every time I come here, I see improvements. I see our money being used again. It's clean, the bathrooms. Uh, I think when Charlie came and I, after I rebuilt it and I kind of like made a change in my life, um, I found out that I wasn't the one that should be there no more. I still done the work. I still put all my money back into the Speedway. I done the figure eight and I done the back road after that. But I just, my heart wasn't in it, so I, I gave it up. I think that track owners that are there now, if they've lost the desire or they don't have the financial way of doing it, maybe they should think about stepping down or selling somebody else that does have the means to do it because is all they do. We're going to lose our racetrack here in Charlotte County if something don't happen. The airport is only, they got one site, and the people that's there, if you kiss their ass, you know, you're in with them. If you don't, which I didn't, you're not in with them. So my chances of going back to Charlotte County Speedway are probably zero because of who is in the airport. What's good for the racetrack doesn't make any difference. And I don't want to go back necessarily. I would like to go back and be part of, I'd like to be the race director where the people comes up after the races and yells at me. Whoa, I like whoa, that whoa, part. wait a minute. Really, are you kidding me? Yeah, I like really? that. Really? Yeah. Let's get Deal on miss, the phone I, right I now. I tell you what. I Let's get Deal on the phone right now. But, I know a lot of drivers but, that would be very happy to have you there. Well, but what, but some what, of them would. But, but some I'm, of them would. There's some well, of wait, them. Wait, 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 wait. Let me finish. Let me finish. Yeah, but what I'm trying to say is I would like, and I'm thinking about getting some people uh, together, like we were doing the meetings in Brandon where we have these little sessions, some of it on these radio stations, talk about out in the open, like the bullshit about the insurance getting high. That's bullshit. Not paying a points fund. Take if you're selling tires and you're selling them for five hundred dollars instead of four hundred, what in the hell are you doing with all the money? Come in here and find out what these people are doing. Call them. Call them to the table and say, where are you spending this money? You got donations coming in and you're not even spending this money. Instead of going out and hiring somebody to mow your grass and, and work out your track, go do some of it yourself. You know, I'll tell you how to. I've been there twenty years. And I never asked for a dime from nobody. I asked for donations after the storm. On time, we went up to Sunshine and tore that down and brought it here. But you know, I would be—I'd be embarrassed to do some of the stuff these people are doing. Not only at this speedway in Florida, but other racetracks that they're lowering themselves down. What they need to do is back off and sell somebody that's more capable of running it. Because you get to the point to where you don't want to run it no more, and that's probably where the speedway is again. Is you can't afford to do it. You don't know which way to go, but you're not going to ask for help. You hire all the losers that's been fired over the years, and you put them in positions of being back there. What in the hell are you going to get? You're going to get something going downhill. Well, get I positive mean, people working. Get somebody that knows something. Leroy, I, I think you should get off the diamond, like say what's really on your mind. Yeah, you're preaching. Stop holding you're preaching. Back. Hey, Leroy, <laughs> you're holding back too much. I know. Hey, I, you know what? I, I agree totally. It, it's going to take. I've been away for for a year, so I'm going to slow into this. <laughs> I agree totally with you that. The, the tracks uh, are letting people uh, run the show sometimes that uh, don't even have the experience of some of the kids that are out there racing. Uh, Connie, what would you think about him getting back into racing? <laughs> That's his choice. <laughs> well, Being in racing, you don't have to have a racetrack to be in racing. I would like to be in racing. Don around me, uh, 
Todd's a great guy. Uh, some of us guys have been there, and we've already tried all this stuff that ain't working. We see what these guys are doing now. It's like, turn around and go the other way. Here, well, I think you know, on, the meetings, on the meetings, okay, just yeah, on the meetings. Right. Now, you know, since those meetings quit happening, you know, I've talked to a lot of those people who were regular people who went um, at one time or another. It's come up. And my personal take on it was, did anything drastically change in Florida? No, it didn't. But you know what? There was a lot of people who got to know each other a little better, and there was a lot more communication. And though no big major changes happened, I think it improved things in a lot of little ways, and it improved the communication. And had it, if it were to keep going, I think that it, it would continue to give benefits. It's not, it, it's far, don't you think it's far better than not having them? Don't you, what do you think? There is no doubt. I get calls now. I was like, why don't you, you know, why don't we do them meetings again? The only thing that we done, we didn't do it wrong, we just didn't know, is we had meetings with all the racetrack owners, managers, uh, and we also had the traveling series there. The It's hard for a promoter to sit there and tell some of the traveling series that, you know, you guys are getting out of hand. So most of them wouldn't speak up because then these traveling series wouldn't go to their racetracks. So... We had some times on the phones during the the month, because we used to do them every month, to where these other track owners would say, why can't we have a meeting of our own so we can talk freely? And then maybe every other month we can invite the traveling series and we'll control which ones we're going to allow to happen. It's like the guy called me from St. Pete. He has open wheel modified. He, the last year I was there, hey, I got this guy. They want me to do this Road Warrior traveling series. What do you think? I let him know what I thought. I told him it was a bunch of shit, and he's going to ruin that class. They already ruined every class in the state but the road warriors. And I, I told him why. And after I was done, he said, you know, I never thought of all that. He says, we, we need to get rid of some of these series and, and get our local racing back to where it belongs and then have the traveling series. Once you, you're the best in that class, then join the late models of the sprint car class if you want to travel. But that's what's hurt racing in Florida and all over the country. Some some states don't even have a traveling series in their states because they want all their cars to stay at their tracks. So by getting these meetings going back together, and we were getting other racetracks saying, you know, I'm not going to run some of these series. We're going to run like the dwarf cars, the uh, outlaw modifieds, the sprint cars and late models. But we, You know, like we got like, what, three or four sprint car series now. Or we did when I left. You only need one. You only got so many cars. You got 30 cars in the state, and now you got four classes to put them in. Well, some of them there shouldn't be any, and some of them it's absolutely ridiculous there's more than one in that because the economy, like you were talking about, it doesn't make any sense to travel and you spend all this extra money. It, it doesn't. Well, at least the second series they're talking about doesn't have wings on it. <laughs> well, if, if the racetrack promoters and managers and so forth – would get together like we were doing, and I really have been fighting with myself to do this, but, you know, there's just things going on in my life right now where the timing wasn't right. I think now, this month, I could probably get back in and doing it, but we need, I don't know if any promoters would come to a meeting that I conducted. I used to conduct the meeting, and the only reason they came is because I paid all the expenses. I didn't make, I didn't make them chip in any, but... That's that's just a lie there. But anyway, they, they we we had some meetings where we had twenty five thirty. You want to pay for dinner? We could probably get them all to show up. Well, uh, towards the end, they were starting to chip in with orders. <laughs>
What do you think, pizza. Jack? We could get them all to show up. Pay for but if they would come to these meetings and actually leave and do something, cut out some of this series that's uncalled for, make the sprint cars go back to one series so when they come to your track, it's an attraction. You know, it, Racing isn't a racetrack. The local, the stock car racing, a lot of people don't go to see that anymore. They go to see the sideshows. So we've done that. We've done the figure eight bus racing. We've done the boat racing. We've done everything there is. We've done the enduros. People came and see them. Then we wore them out. Why do we wear them out? Because we got some people. Our boat race at Charlotte County Speedway was the best thing we had. Now it's almost every other week. How in the heck would you put on a special that's every other week? Yeah, they, the figure eight boat races that um, have been going, sort of gotten to like every other month, and the, the car count in them has dwindled. And um, we, we really enjoy them. The fans really enjoy them. The problem is, is when you only have two or three vehicles out there, that's not as entertaining as in the previous years when you would have six eight vehicles out there and it made it more exciting shoot they um, used to have what are you talking about they'd have 20 of them out there they would well, start those before, things if you were only that, running one every four months i was going out there i'm talking about in yeah. my experience of, of going out to the track and what i've seen and um so you're I, saying since you went there things has slowed down is that what you're saying? <laughs> it's not me. Well, you just said. It's I'm just trying me. to figure out what you just said. Well, they finally got rid of all them boats that were but at the I, track when I you saw them. They're I all mean, gone buses now. Buses are gone, too. Yeah. I wasn't there when they had the larger car counts for the figure eight boat races. But um, we're getting flashed by Jack Rob, which means we need to take a break. I'm tired of you flashing me. Put your shirt back on. Well, when we come back, we're going to find out about the Brian Davidson Memorial, what that's all about. Imagine that. Hey, you guys are going to East Bay soon, aren't you? Yeah. Next Thursday night, we're going to be live. We're going to Ocala, too. we got a live show next Thursday night, Monday and Thursday. We'll be right back, folks. This is Joe Irwin. And this is Wayne Jefferson. From Jefferson Irwin Racing. And you're listening to Real Racing USA. All right, Leroy, tell us about the deal, man. You're, you're the promoter here now. Let's, let's do it. I've never really made any public notice of what the Brian Davidson race was until this year. And uh, the reason why is always just a subject I couldn't talk about. Hey, hang on just a second here. Let wiggle that thing there. Yeah, there you go. Better? Yeah, there you go. All right, now? Yeah, go ahead. All right, well, uh, when I found out we weren't going to do the Brian Davidson race, traditionally it's the second week in January. Uh, we just, I just had some personal things that happened that I couldn't do it. So Rex and his crew up there, they decided they were going to do it in March, which is fine with me, but it just uh, took away from, I thought it took away from the time of the year when nobody's racing, and it just makes it a little bit more special. Because it's off by itself. Once you get into racing season, you got other people racing the same night. Uh, that, that's what I had a problem with. But anyway, the Brian Davidson race, when they started promoting this memorial race at Charlotte County Speedway, it kind of ticked me off. It's like uh, the memorial race at Charlotte County Speedway last week was for race car drivers. And Brian wasn't a race car driver. He was a motorcycle racer. But... Uh, Instead of promoting uh, an event for somebody that died that was a race car driver, I felt that people need to know that Brian 
helped build Charlotte County Speedway along with my brother Kenny Davidson, who also passed away, and also Bob Maton out of St. Petersburg. And uh, without Brian and Bob and Kenny's help, they might not have been a Charlotte County Speedway to start with. And he brought thousands of drivers through his work of building a speedway, whether it's in Florida or the United States, he brought a lot to racing. So I think that the Brian Davidson Memorial does have a reason to be, other than I've been told since he wasn't a driver, I shouldn't have done that. So anyway, getting that out of the way, uh, Brian Davidson Memorial is held at Arbondale Speedway. It's going to be March the 1st. I'll be there. I'll be doing the promotion of the race. Uh, as far as the race director, I'll be doing the driver's meeting. Uh, my family will be there also, like we traditionally do at Charlotte County Speedway, to do the presentation and also the, the winner's circle down there. So I'm going to continue on with that particular part of the race. Arbondale is also going to have regular races that night also. So it should be a real big night with all the stuff they've got planned. And hopefully... Uh, this continues on somewhere. The Brian Davidson continues on because he did contribute a lot to racing. That's cool. All right. Do you think that uh, next year it'll be in, a, in uh, January? Well, it's hard telling about January because uh, there's another thing that's on my mind, too, is a lot of people said that I sold the Speedway to Bobby Deal so we can go kiss ass at the airport and get 20 years extension, and then I was going to take it back, but I don't think there's any truth to that. But, you know, you never know where it's going to be. Yeah, you never uh, know what the future brings. Arbondale has really stepped in and done a lot for me, so it would be hard if this is a success there to take it and take it somewhere else again. Um, I think it will be there forever. Well, what, what do you think about what Bobby Deal's done at the racetrack over there? I mean, that's I supported I supported him. I'd done everything I could. Uh, there's just some things that's happened, and I just parted companies with him. I think that he's not been... The person that I thought he told me he was what he was going to do, he did not do. Uh, I just have a real big problem with the way he's treating the drivers, the point funds and everything. I get really irritated because I know how much it took me to keep the track going, and I didn't even have a side job. I, I mean, I lived out there at the racetrack in a trailer sometimes before my granddaughter, I, I took her to raise, and then I got married. But the things that I had to go through to make sure that racetrack got going was through the front and the back gate. And to hear what's going on out there now, it just tears me apart because I don't want to see the Speedway go away. And maybe he's got a plan for this year. i seen on the Internet tonight that he was wanting to look for a new image for Charlotte County Speedway. So I clicked on, and he's looking for a photographer. I thought it was going to look for a new image, but I was misled on that. But uh, Anyway, uh, Bobby's... You know, maybe he should have stayed with the trucks because he had one of the best series I've seen for a long time. Don Narone had probably something that was better than that, and Florida Pro was pretty good. But Bobby had a – when you had the trucks there, you had 40, 50, 60 cars uh, – not 60, but 40 and 50 trucks. He had a great thing going, and he gave it up for this, and we lost the truck series. What would you have done had Bobby Deal not come along when he did? What would what? would Where would Charlotte Speedway be today? Uh – I don't know. I was I was well on. I was down so bad uh, after the storm that I lost. I can't say I lost interest in racing. I just lost something, and I needed to get away for a while and take a look from the outside in. Like the time I was gone before, in in a couple of years in the nineties, when I came back, I came out with 
new insight of what I looked like because I looked at these people from the outside and I seen what I was doing wrong and I changed some of it. It, it don't make any difference who it is. If, if you've got a race car driver or somebody in the grandstands, they can always run your racetrack better than you can. Sure. If you've got a race director and he's up there telling them, what's that stupid guy doing out there? If I was driving that car, I would have never run into him. Well, you don't really know. When you're in that car, it don't look, it, it don't, you don't get the same picture as you do up in the tower looking down at it. Sure. So you see things different. But everybody can tell you what to do until they get in that position, and that's probably what happened to Bobby. He had great ideas, but, you know, advertising what you're going to do and not come across, I think, hurt that, that a lot. You don't. I never told anybody what I was going to do. They came there on race night, and then they found out what I was going to do. And when you make promises and can't come across, I think that's the thing that I had going for me is I just didn't make promises. So where, what, what would have happened had Bobby not come? Do you think that you would have found somebody to come run the track? Because I actually um, knew Bobby Deal from years back, and I was one of those guys that was at the track the day that he got it trying to say, okay, first thing you want to do, the way it looks you know and i helped him out like a bunch of people did you know we all kind of pulled together and helped out would it have been possible for you in the state that you were in then to be able to continue to run the track and have a season that was coming up then well i think if i would have went to the last season i would have done what i was threatening to do i would have turned it to dirt racing in, in <laughs> july and finished my last year out of what i originally wanted to do but uh, and i think that would have happened the airport was so against me. There's some, uh, one particular in person, but there's two people at the airport that tried to always destroy me out there. I've got a great relationship with most of the people in the airport, but unfortunately they're not on the board. Right. And so I think that they would have put it up for lease, which they did. It, we won't have enough time to get into that today, but someday I'd like to bring that out. But I think they would have put it up for lease, and I think John Sapriconi would have ended up with it. I believe that 100%. Really? And back to on dirt. You're right. We will do that. Yeah, it's, just, like it's to very, talk it, about that. It is. It's very interesting. It's interesting, and it's also it's stuff a lot of people probably need to know. But yeah. dirt, you have a background as a dirt racer yourself, and uh, you've been uh, down to Henry County. What do you see at Henry County? Tell us about that, what you've seen down there. You great place. Seen? I went down there. I could not believe how nice that place, the lights, everything is great. There's a lot of dust there. They... Don't know how to control the water. I suggested to Chris maybe he get a hold of Chris uh, Ponsel, the, yeah. the owner. Good yeah, guy. Actually, he just called me on the phone just a minute. Good I think, guy. I think he wants me to come down there and help on this winter thing they got. But yeah. anyway, um, I think you should go up to East Bay and, like you said a little bit ago, everybody ought to go to East Bay and see what they're doing there. Stay there all day. Watch them get ready. Prepare the racetrack. That's what Chris needs to do. But uh, unfortunately, I can't get him convinced. He says he would like to, but. To get him to do it is another thing. But I think that that track right there has got a lot of potential. Uh, it reminds me, not the track, reminds me of Outdoor, but it reminds me of its location of Outdoor Speedway. It's out in the middle of nowhere. I mean, if you go there, you better take gas and you better take some food with you. You could, you could get a flight in on the mosquitoes, right? <laughs> yeah, you could. You really could. But I think that he's got a great thing there, and I think that if Ken Kenny's been trying to help him over there right. and a few other people. Sure. Uh, we went over and scored a race a few. Oh, I guess it was the Fall Nationals we scored over there and helped him out. He had a good crowd, great car count, but he just uh, he walked away in the middle of the race and went home. And I don't know. Sometimes I don't know why. You know, what, what's in his mind? He's not 
really the promoter, but uh, what what he, I guess I shouldn't have went there, I guess. Huh? I what, did he do? what did he do? No, he didn't understand what you yeah, meant. Oh, I, I said, because you kind of threw me off there. Uh, right when the race was, was almost to the end, he just left. With all the money? No, he left the money there for his people to deal with the people, but the cars and the, Jeff, Jeff was there. and right. Jeff won and, that night, right? No, he did he, not win. Oh, he didn't win. No, he did night. not win. But anyway, uh, he he needs to get somebody to run the racetrack. Ken, I don't know what happened to Ken Kenny. I thought he was going to do it, but I think that's what Chris is looking for: is somebody to run it. That place has a lot of potential, and I really think with all the other dirt tracks coming in, you know, uh, maybe I'll start a dirt traveling series, and uh, maybe that would be the thing to do. But anyway, uh, I think that tra- track is great, and okay. I also think Sugarlands or. Uh, Hey, Tim. Sand Mountain Speedway is another thing that people want to take a look at. Well, I'm glad to hear you say that. I'm going to head over there on the 9th for the Winter Nationals over there in New Hendry um, and check out the dirt track. That'll be my first time over there. Well, you're going to be surprised at how nice the track looks. Uh, when they turn them lights on at night and you see that nice red clay on there, yeah. and uh, it, it's just beautiful to me. I mean, I like dirt racing, so it looks good to me compared to... Maybe somebody that likes to see a asphalt track. I don't know. Leroy, we got to wrap this up, but uh, really great having you on, man. I, I mean, it, it, uh, you always uh, say things that you say it like it is, and you're always entertaining besides. So it's, it's, well, it's good, man. It, you know, it's been a year since I've been around racing and talking to – I talk very little about racing and once in a while Houston or somewhere like that. But, uh, you know, it's like – need to get back involved uh but basically what, what i'm trying to say is is i really enjoy racing and i think that racing's needs some help and i think that people ought to get together and sit down at a round table and try to figure out before it's too late and we lose any more racetracks right not only the dirt but lose them period because without these racetracks there ain't no place to race if we have series and they take away our racetracks you need to take a look at that you need to talk about it and find out why i'm saying that they're needs to be more said about it so i guess what you're saying is these racetrack owners need to stop saying to the drivers that are there hey if you want to run the racetrack then buy one well maybe we need to stop hearing that march 1st your race is right that's correct march 1st at auburndale speedway saturday night and um i have a question for we want to have you come back how how about this we have you come back like uh maybe in a month and come back and uh we'll talk about the history of a whole do a whole show on the history of Charlotte County from first to end, and so, your deal, and you can go through all this. And it, I mean, there's a lot to cover in two hours. How long hours. you been oh, in this town? How you know long you been here? But eighty four since eighty four. So I, I got out of high school. Huh? Would that be cool? <laughs> that would be, be cool, great yeah. because okay. I was told about a track that was there before. That's right. That's and and I'd like to talk about that and learn. Well, we'll more. get a little. It wasn't there? It was down the road towards. I don't uh, know Fort oil Myers. well, right? Yeah, right. Yeah. Well, we can get a little, have some conversations, organize a little bit, so we, we don't you know spin out in left field too much, and uh, and try to try to hit some of these points that I know you'd like to talk about. Um, but I do have one question for you. That I just want you to give me a really really quick answer to, okay? And that is, how do you get promoters, racetrack promoters? To listen to folks when they don't want to. Say that one more time. How, how do you get? Let him answer this. Now. How do you get promoters at racetracks to like listen, not to do what you say, but just to, to open an ear and listen and really listen to what you're saying, 
when they don't want to. What I done before I left the first time in the 96 is every Monday, and all racetrack promoters needs to do this because it's the best thing I ever done as far as relationships goes. I never had a relationship with any of the drivers, but I hope not. Uh, yeah, but but I had a couple out there that you know they were all right. <laughs> <laughs> Girls are racing. Now, this you know. is a family. Let's, let's, show. Not, let's not get on this. But what I'm saying is, is we had every Monday that drivers could come out to the racetrack, and they would do their input. Would sit in the grandstands. We'd get like hundred of them out there. They didn't have to be drivers. They could be spectators. That thinks, you know, I need to go there and I need to tell this racetrack what I think. That's how I got some of my employees. I had a guy there telling me how bad my announcer was. I said, I'll tell you what, since you know so much about it, next week you go up there with my announcer and you announce. Larry Ungard was the man that done that. Really? He, he ended up being my announcer. And having, a radio, sh- and having a radio show. Yeah, he had a radio show. Another guy, wanted, he said, if that flagman can't see right from what, what's right in front of him, you can't see on the flag stand what's right in front of you because it's right below you. You can see the race rest of the racetrack, but when they say the flagman couldn't see in front of him, they're right, he can't. So he got up on the flag stand and he learned that he became our flagman. But see, what you do is you go there and you listen to the drivers and the spectators and then you put them in that position. Linda Jerica, for instance, she was up there to one of them meetings. That's how she's at the track now. She come up and said, every time you guys have a race out here, you penalize my husband. I said, okay, well, next week you come up in the tower and you make the calls on him. So she did. When he banged into another car, I said, okay, do what you're going to do. She says, I have to black I have to black flag him. He was wrong. It looks different up here. But that's how you do it. The promoters get, their, get a day set aside and have the people come out. Get a wireless mic and pass it around to the people and let them tell you, you know, your hot dog stink, your flagman stinks, your announcer stinks, uh, your races. You know, you need to run your races faster. I learned so much off them drivers that, you know, it's just unbelievable. And that's how they can do it. All right, Leroy. And there you have it. That's 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 a good answer. We got music. Right. We got music. That means we'll have Leroy back on in a month. That's a good answer. Yeah. You did it. That's Leroy Davidson. Yeah, he, he put it all in all a right. nutshell.